Welcome to Talking Transfers from the Nightingale Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Nightingale's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, as ever. Just the two of us today, talking all things transfer market as we edge ever closer, just under just under six weeks till the January market opens, Graham. Are we gearing up for a busy one, do you think? I think it would be busy, certain teams. I think more at the top end. It's interesting. I did, I did suggest this in the summer. And I know a lot of people criticise me where I said it would be one of the poorest Premier Leagues in terms of standard for a long time. And that's how it's transpiring. The three promoted teams are, are just not of a sufficient standard. To, to the extent, Scott, where I'm hearing the likes of Fulham, West Palace, West Ham, even Forest, all teams are, are, are thinking their January strategy of do any of them need to spend money to steal? Especially with Everton now as well, being dragged yeah, right back into 100%, 100% it. 100% right. Um, I, I'd argue even Everton probably don't need to... Yeah. I think they're staying up comfortably as well, Scott, I'll be honest. Um, as long as they don't get any more points took off them. And like, so Steve Parrish um, is looking at it. Do, obviously, they need another striker, Palace. They desperately need a striker. But to what end? Should do, Why spend 15, 20 million on a player who might cost 10 million in the summer? You don't need to do it. Fulham, Fulham the same as well. They might lose. Fulham, Fulham could lose Paulinho in January, and not sign a replacement, and they'll still stay up. In my opinion, they'll still be better than the other three, and that's. So I think it will impact on this window, Scott. I really do. I think we won't see um, as much panic buying at the bottom because there's no need. Yes, indeed, we have seen Burnley sit on four points. They've lost. Well, they won one game in twelve. Sheffield United have won one game in twelve. They are. 18th in the table, Luton Town, three draws, one win in 12. They are the three teams that are looking in a lot of danger, but Everton are now in that mix as well after being deducted 10 points Mm. following a breach of the Premier League's profit and sustainability rules, which came last week. you got Bournemouth, who are then in 16th place, but three points ahead of Luton Town. And Fulham have a pretty comfortable gap to the relegation zone already, seven points. So it does seem as though... These teams are, you know, and and, and Everton, Everton are getting it together now. I think they, I commented on on X that they they look like a Sean Dyche team now. They're getting it together, you know. They're playing for him. Calvert Lewin makes a huge, huge difference to that team. He's a quality striker. I know a lot of fans can be quite critical of him, but he is a top-notch striker. And I think if he carries on, he's a he's a real decent shout for the Euros as well for Gareth Southgate. We know he's a player he likes. So. Yeah, I I think that, and it's going to be one where the top, th- the bottom three, Scott won't. I'll be amazed if it comes out the last se- day of the season. I'll be amazed if it comes out the last month of the season. I think, <laughs> I think that I think them three are gone. They really do, but it won't be the same next season. It won't be like this every year because them three teams. You got some up, three, uh, three champ, or oh, maybe more yeah. than three really strong Leic- champions. Leicester, teams. Southampton, Leeds. Yeah, they are they are already arguably better than the three coming down. So yeah, um, it won't be the same next season. That's for sure. Yep, Graham mentioned X there. Follow him at Graham Bailey for all of the latest transfer news. Uh, Follow me on X at double underscore Scott Saunders as well as Instagram, TikTok, etc. And please subscribe to the show on all your major podcast platforms as well. Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes is where you can find Talking Transfers. Nightymin.com is where you can find all the latest news from the team at Nightymin. Nightymin.com forward slash Talking Transfers for all the latest transfer news if you want everything in one place and at 90 min underscore football as well on social media for 90 min on the whole today we'll be talking a little bit about manchester united at the top because there is a, a they are closing in so jim ratcliffe is closing in on his stake and potential uh 
control of the sporting operation. We'll talk City and Erling Haaland's contract status. We'll talk Kvaric Skellia as well and the amount of teams that are looking at him or have scouted him over the international break is at Napoli at the moment where things aren't too rosy. But uh, he is still on the agenda of a few clubs. We'll talk in Serie A as well about Dusan Vlajevic of Juventus. Talk of interest from Arsenal, Manchester United, etc. Will Juventus end up keeping him? What do they want to do with Dusan Vlajevic? We'll get into that later in the show and we'll look at Spurs as well. Nice and brief today. We'll keep it, Graham, or try to anyway. Let's dig in to... Uh, let's start with United, shall we? Because how it, it seems like... Well, it's a year to the day on Wednesday, Graham, since mm. the strategic alternatives uh, plan was announced by the Glazers. That didn't necessarily mean a sale, but that was one of the options. Uh, part investment, this kind of thing. It looks like Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos will be getting their hands on 25% of the club. And with it, sporting control as well. It's conditional on the deal and the buy-in that they are putting into the club. So how is this going to look? We did a piece on nightingmin.com yesterday, as in Monday, about what the plans are for Sir Jim. We still don't know yet, Graham, when it's a when it's going to be officially announced. It could be could be soon, could be a few weeks, you know, and then the deal has to get ratified and uh, the relevant checks for owners and uh, just to make sure that they're uh, squeaky clean, you know, that process has to happen as well. So it could take a little bit of time. But Richard Arnold is leaving Man United, so some changes are happening already. Yeah, so. It's my understanding, Scott, that we're looking to make an announcement before this weekend's game. That looks likely to be by the end of the month. When I say announcement, not an official one confirming the whole process is done and dusted, but some sort of communication to the fans to let them know where we're at. You know, we reported a few weeks ago that this was a process that had already started. Um, so Dave Brailsford from Ineos is conducting a sort of like a mini review. He's looking at it from behind the scenes. He's going to be part of this process throughout. And it's not a matter of choosing who's out and who's in. He's looking to look to see what the process is currently in place. Are they right? Do they need improving? If so, how, etc. All-encompassing look, really, a general overview of the situation as it stands. We already know that Richard Arnold is going. John Murtagh will follow him, out, follow him out the door. And it it won't be like for like replacements, you know. Um um, Jean Claire, is it Jean Claire or Jean Claude? Jean Claude Blanc. Jean Claude Blanc, who's experienced from PSG, he's in it in the arts. He'll be coming in as a sort of CEO, COO, in that sort of role, that side of things. And then there'll be someone else coming in in that sporting director role. There's also going to be room for heads of recruitment, etc., etc. There's going to be a footballing department, as it says in the article, Scott, that we did. It's it's. It was described to me as sort of a bit like Chelsea, but a mini version, a more tailored version, a more refined version to United's needs. And yeah, and we're expecting them to, we'll know the names, I think, by December, which is when we'll get the official announcement as well. Um, so Jim will be hands-on. Obviously, he's only allowed, he's not literally not allowed to be in England um, too much as he's a resident of Monte Carlo, Monaco. Um, but we will see him there regularly at Old Trafford. He's going to be hands-on um, in terms of the appointments for Ineos. It's 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 all it's all in for Ineos. And when we say the Glazers have handed handing over this spot in control, they're willing to do that, Scott. You know, they as we said in previous episodes, they want us to be a success. If Sir Jim comes in with his team and turns United around off the pitch at the very least, 
the value is going to go up, and that and that's the overall point for the Glazers here. You know, at the end of the day, they what they think United should be the most valuable sporting club in the world, and I, I think that's attainable. Um, so I think they're probably looking at a ten billion mark, and look what United are worth now. And it's it's a mess off the field. It's not much better on the field. And look what they're worth now, Scott. If if United can can start touching that City, Liverpool, Arsenal territory, they will be worth an awful lot more money. In my opinion, Scott, I think so. You can see why, and I think it's good. You know, the Glazers are still there. You know, it's not pleasing for a lot of United fans that they are still there. But I think this is a good. I think this is a good option for them. I really do. As I said, I think Ratcliffe coming in, he wants them to improve on the sporting side. He's doing it because he wants to take overall control eventually. So I think it's, it ticks off a lot of boxes for United. And yeah, there's no guarantee, Scott. As we said, there's no guarantee he's going to get this right. But Sir Jim is where he is. He's one of the most um, valuable, richest people in, in the UK. Is he the richest person? I think he's second now. I think he's second. Yeah. Um, he's not there by accident. You know, and his mm. investments, his sporting investments have been very good. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think it's a, this is a positive for United. I think it's only going to go in one direction, not necessarily overnight, but I think in you know the short to medium term, in five years' time, I think they're going to look a lot different off the field and they'll, they'll look a, bit, a lot better for it. You mentioned there about uh, you know how the Glazers have they have played a blinder really in in selfish terms for themselves. I mean they are they did see success with Manchester United in Sir Alex Ferguson's time. I think a really underrated person during the last well the, the Glazer reign has been who let the the person who left alongside Sir Alex Ferguson, David Gill, and mm-hmm. you have seen since United have had to replace him, Ed Woodward and Richard Arnold come in it, with, you know, it, is it fair to say they were out of their depth on the sporting side? I think that, that that's pretty much what most people there were, there were because David, David it, Gill, David Gill did it in tandem with Sir Alex. He had someone with immense football and knowledge guiding him to do it. So it was like a partnership, wasn't it? Hmm. And, and, you know, they're trying to do it. Like who, who was, who was guiding them to, you know, was, who knows? Um, it just it was just wrong. And then John Murta's in there as well. Who, is, what John Murta is is not up to up to scratch for running Manchester United. You know, look look at the upstairs we've got at Manchester City. You know, um, they went to Barcelona and got the best mm-hmm. Tixi and the like. Um, and we can even see it, look look what Newcastle done with Dan Ashworth, Aston Villa with Monchi. It's something that has to be done. Uh, Arsenal with Eddie. Eddie's come in and done a great job there, um, having built his experience up in his homeland. So, yeah, it's something that needs to be done. Um, and it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? And uh, But it's going to be fascinating to see what Jim does. If he gets Paul Mitchell coming in, as we think, most likely he'll be a sporting director, but he won't be the only one in that department. Um, others probably will come in with him, alongside him, underneath him, possibly. But, yeah, I, I think it bodes well for United. I really do. Yeah, uh, just mentioned David Gill there as he was the one sat in that position as uh, chief exec or equivalent uh, before Sir Alex and Gill left in 2013. You've had uh, Ed Woodward step into the role. You've had Richard Arnold step into the role. Who Two people really who, you know, worked at PwC, accountancy, not exactly well-versed in a football sense on footballing matters, and they've been responsible 
for leading a football club in the last 10 years. And we've all, all seen how it's resulted on uh, with Man United on the pitch. And Jean-Claude Blanc, I think, is quite an interesting uh, choice. Now is part of the Ineos portfolio, oversees the sporting portfolio, and is expected to be that person who does come in and try and put things right. We've done our digging into him. I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot more about his name over the next few months. But he is uh, the person that was appointed by Juventus after the uh, relegation in 2006. Uh, following Calciopoli, brought them back, renegotiated things like contracts, this kind of thing, brought them back to the top of Italian football. It didn't end too well for him, but then he spent 11 years at PSG and has uh, been credited largely with making them one of the most uh, recognisable and leading football lifestyle brands in the world. When you think about a, uh, a failing team on the pitch like Juventus after, after that scandal and the commercial side of things with PSG ticks the boxes. It, it, it reminds you a bit, you know, not really Peter Kenyon, but of David Gilday's where you can, you can see him where he's had the success without really hearing much about him. And it, that's sometimes what you want from these guys, isn't it? Scott, especially these ones up top making the really important mm-hmm. decisions. You don't want to hear them on podcasts every week. You don't, pardon what word, you don't hear them about them talking to the BBC every week or whatever. You just want them to get on with a job and do it. And, yeah. and I think that's what he'll bring. He has a reputation for doing that, but on the pitch or in the playing staff anyway, United have some issues to deal with. Jaden Sancho being the... Well, there's a number of players in there, but Jaden Sancho is the one that's been excluded from first-team matters by the manager, Eric Ten Hag. Where's he... What What's going to happen here? Is there some miraculous turnaround on the horizon, Graham, or is he still going to leave? As it stands of today, he's still going to leave. He's not in the mix. You know, he, he could he could apologise any day, but it doesn't look that way, Scott. You know, he doesn't want to. He's got options out there. Um, Saudi Arabia keeps getting mentioned, but we understand from his people. He, he wasn't that keen to go in the summer, Scott. He had the option. Doesn't particularly want to go now. I, I, depend, I, I, from, I don't know. This is my opinion. If he really wants to get his career going, I don't think Saudi's the right place for him. He does have options. He has Borussia Dortmund, his former club in Germany, who really want him. Juventus are open to him going over there. Basically, if he he's got options everywhere, really. There are options out there. United, um, they want some sort of agreement in place, a future deal. Whether they're going to get that or not, Scott, I don't. I think they'll start January wanting or determined to get that purchase option, which I think some of the Borussia and Juventus are willing to do to a certain degree, where they'll put in options in there if he plays 90% of the games, if he if they win the league, if they get in Champions League, there, there, there might be some triggers in there rather than set set fees to pay. So I think looking at it from that point of view, um, I don't see him staying um, at the end of January in some sort of way. United have to get him out, Scott. They have to, he has to get back, back his value for a club, his asset. And so they can't have him sat in the stands training by himself. Um, so if I was them, um, I'm not sure I can see him at Juventus. If I was United, I'd get him back to Dortmund. I'd get him back to where where he knows, where the club love him. He loves it there. And hopefully he goes there, rediscovers his form. And that's not, that, can, that can only be a positive for United, whether it means him coming back to Old Trafford or he gets back to some sort of value close to what they paid for him. So I, I, I think I think they should move him out of Dortmund. It is an option, but we'll see. But the player has the power here, Scott, as well. It's not just about United agreeing things. You know, if, and I think sources close to Sancho have made it clear to us that if if it's not the right move for him, he won't take it. So 
it's going to be an interesting one to see how it plays out. I, I still suspect he might end up at Dortmund in some in some, some way, shape or form in January, but um, another six weeks to go, so a lot can happen. Yep, we'll move across Manchester uh, to talk about another former Dortmund player. Safe to say he will not be going back to Dortmund, uh, but Erling Haaland is with Man City, scoring bags of goals, won't be at the Euros. Uh, was picked up an injury on the, in, during the international break, but was expected to be okay for City versus Liverpool this weekend. But, Graham, Manchester City might not have Erling Haaland for the duration of his career. Is it fair to say that? There's a, a contract issue, there's potential contract clauses which, which are in there that which could leave... Erling Haaland with power himself to get out of Manchester City is easy to forget that he's still in his early 20s, got a hell of a long time ahead of him, uh, even though he's at the top of his game at the moment. What's the what's happening here with City and Erling Haaland's current deal, Graham? And there's interest from the usual suspects in Spain, right? Yeah, you know, we've, we've first broached this subject, Scott, I think a few months after he signed in 2022. It came about that there was clauses in his contract, something that Pep denied at the time, but hey, sorry Pep, they are there, they are true and and the reason they were put in for, by Mino Raiola together with Rafaela Pimenta who's looking after him now he, he doesn't want to be beholden to any club as it goes, um, I think she described recently, um, he's a master of his own destiny, because he is because these clauses are in place They're not clauses, these clauses aren't in place to to circumnavigate City getting money for him. The dad thought if he feels it's the right time to move on, it's the right time to move on. If you if you remember we did a story a few weeks ago um about Barcelona looking at Haaland, not for twenty twenty five and for twenty twenty five. And that's when the clauses kick in. That's when in theory um we're not sure how much they are I think we think around about 150 million but there's going to be different ways and means of measuring these we think in the clauses the previous clauses were tied to Pep Guardiola he signed his new deal um which took out the 2024 clauses which means the clauses for Haaland at the moment don't kick into 2020-25 so that's when it's going to get interesting Scott City the way they're looking at it the desperate thing to sign a new deal not really for his money because he's on 350k anyway. He's on De Bruyne money, and I think I don't think the players in the desperate hurry to to get much more. And I don't think City could offer him in terms of financial fair play. He can't give him much more anyway. But I think the player is happy with these clauses being there. City, I think, are accepting that they're there, Scott. They may be looking to try and increase them. We're told so maybe add another 50 million on, etc. I, I don't think Haaland, from what we're told, is in no hurry to sign this new deal. Nothing to do with City. He's committed to them until that time. You know what I mean? He can't, he can't move anywhere until someone pays 150 million, which in today's financial fair play is very difficult anyway, Scott. But I don't think it means that if he really, really wants to get out, he can. And it's not a disrespect to City in any way, shape or form. He's had these clauses everywhere he's been. I think it's a sensible way of doing it. Um, when he, wherever he goes to next, he'll have them in as well. If he signs for Barcelona or Real Madrid, he'll have the clauses in again. It's not like uh, I know this, there might be people on the podcast uh, listening, uh, screaming uh, into the ether. Barcelona, they're skint, this, this kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, 
things can change pretty quickly in football. We know that the, all the levers Barcelona have been trying to pull. They've got to get yeah. If you see that Barcelona side, that Barcelona side with what it's a spine of Lewandowski, De Jong, Gundogan, Gavi, Pedri, they're all on Haaland type wages, so that's not a problem for Barcelona. And 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 you know Barcelona, um, it's an interesting one where Real Madrid are really assembling some sort of wonderful playing staff as we spoke about before they're very assembling some sort of Galactico plus but all of them are arriving at a young age at Real Madrid it's, it's a wonderful thing they're doing coming to there so I think Barcelona by 2025 Scott I think they'll be ready to move on from Lewandowski it makes sense to me mm. Haaland's always been linked to Real I don't see especially if Kylian Mbappe ends up at Real Madrid which I, th- I still think he will next summer I think he'll join Real Madrid if Mbappe goes with Vinicius there Hendricks joining I'm not sure I see room for Haaland at Real Madrid, to be honest. I'm not sure I do, but... Also, if you're um, looking at La Liga, Graham, in general, as a, it's lost its status as the, the primary, like, mm. that league. The El Clasico's lost some gloss, hasn't it? You know, what uh, a way you, to bring uh, it back. Yeah, did you, is the Camp Nou due to reopen then, Scott, in 2025? Uh, it's around think? then, I'm, I'm pretty so sure. Can you ima- yeah, can you, but can you imagine, in theory, if we've got the Bellingham and Mbappe, Vinicius against maybe a Haaland, Gavi... Pedri, Lamal sort of thing, and it could, it could be quite enticing, couldn't it? But as we know, Haaland, if he does go, there's only probably what I'd say the Italians can't afford him now. There's only four clubs he could join. It's Bayern, PSG, Real or Barca. We're not, there's no point in speculating. They're the, basically the four clubs that Haaland could join. Or Leeds, and, maybe. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, maybe. Maybe but, um, Yeah, so, yeah, it, it's an interesting one. Haaland's going to keep going. City are trying. And I think, obviously, we talked about Guardiola signing his new deal, which took out the 2024 clauses. Pep Guardiola's contract is due in 2025, isn't it, I think? Could be some upheaval coming at City, but they're going to have to move on from all these players at some point. So City have um, never really shown in the in the past either, like, that they will keep players against their will. I know mm-hmm. Bernardo Silva's maybe the example we he, he's he's the outlier, he's, isn't he? I think I think they re, they were so clever. They realised you know they let Mares go, etc. Which I was worried about for them, but yeah, they they knew they couldn't let Silva leave this summer, and I think that's how it's transpired. Especially with De Bruyne missing, I think that decision for them to make sure that Silva stayed has has been so crucial, Scott. And you've always got the the feeling with Haaland that he wants to go and dominate global football, you know, in, in sense mm-hmm. of playing a few different leagues. And maybe we could see that, but not for, uh, certainly not in the immediate future anyway. Uh, let's, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't think he's got any ambition to play for any other Premier League team at any point. But, you know, at some point, I think he will want to chest himself in La Liga. And, and I think the City fans will understand that. Let's jump to Serie A. We've got a couple of players who are on the radar for some Premier League clubs as well as you know other clubs in other countries the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona creature Skellia Graham I think he's he's named Real Madrid or he's been linked with uh I think Real Madrid might be on his list of uh, dream clubs might be at the top of it I think I've seen I've, I've seen, seen many things I've, I've seen I've seen Lots of Chelsea fans were sending me pictures of him in a Chelsea shirt when he was young. Oh, as well. really? Interesting. Yes. If you have, I'll, I'll tweet that. Out. I'll send you a picture. Yeah, he's um, pictured a Chelsea shirt when he was younger as well. And I think at some point his name kept by. Um, some Newcastle fans latched onto that. I think I saw an interview where he named King Cladzer as his role model when he was young. So there's the Man City link. Plenty of links out there for us in terms of his Georgian nationals and the uh, the fantastic players that came before him in the Premier League. 
King Cladsey, would he be old enough to have watched King Cladsey in the Premier League? I'm not sure. Maybe he's watched the YouTube videos or something like that. And maybe he's held up in, in high esteem. Anyway, uh, Kvaric Scalia is at Napoli with Victor Osserman, who's been who's a favourite of the podcast. No Victor Osserman talk today, but Kvaric Scalia, Napoli, they now have Walter Mazzari in charge. Uh, does it inspire long-term success uh, for you? Like, what, what's what's the case here? Or what are Napoli looking to do? Because Kvaric Scalia is or was the subject of scouting at the weekend from a number of massive European teams. Yeah, our understanding. Um, Kevin Scalia was looked at by Chelsea, Man City, Manchester and Newcastle, the aforementioned clubs. They've been looking at him for a long time. There's others as well. Um, we know he's on the radar at Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Real. Keep it. We know he and PSG. He's one of the best players in Europe, Scott. It's been a struggling season, as you said, um, but he's still done okay. Um, what is it, three goals, four assists or something in, in, in nine starts, something like that. Uh, he's, been, he's been very good. With an Napoli team who just haven't been firing this season, you know, there's been these off-field issues with Osimhen. His contract situation is not going well. doesn't look like Osimhen will sign. Kavitskelly, I think, will sign a new deal. That's where we're going with him, Scott. I think he will commit because Napoli are not going to let both these players go this year. looks like Osimhen's turn. And then Kavit Skellier, maybe 2025. He's still only 22. Um, he's got time on his side. But yeah, it's no surprise that these clubs are keeping a close eye. If if Napoli dropped out the top four, Scott, I think then maybe the conversation might happen. But he's contracted um, to 2027 anyway um, with Napoli, um, I believe. So... Yeah, it's going to be very hard to get him out. And Aurelio De Laurentiis, one of the most difficult men to negotiate with. So um, it wouldn't be easy getting him out of out of Naples. Um, but we'll see. I don't. I think the only way he leaves in 2024 is if they don't finish in the top four. That aside, I think we'll have to wait for 2025 for him. But the clubs are looking. They're doing the due diligence, Scott. They're looking at him. He's one of the best players in world football, isn't he, really? So um, we'll see, see where we go with him. But yeah, we don't expect him to be on the move in the next 12 months, though. Will Dusan Vlajevic be leaving Juventus in January? Because uh, Arsenal have been... I think it's before he moved to Juventus from Fiorentina, Graham, wasn't mm-hmm. it? I think, we were, yeah. I think we were pretty much on this story at yeah. the time that there were there was interest from Arsenal. Uh, obviously, they ended up signing uh, Gabby Jesus a few months after. Um, but Vlajevic has played for Juventus. not gone to exactly to plan for him. Obviously, they had... They've had issues off the pitch and on the pitch last season as well. Uh, but Vlajevic is now back in the fold, doing all right. And uh, Juventus want to keep him, don't they? But that doesn't mean that Arsenal's interest has gone away. Is that fair to say? Yeah, he turned down Arsenal, didn't he, basically, um, to go to Juventus. He was one of the, the most in-demand um, strikers in the world at that point. Things didn't go too well for him when he first arrived in Turin, but things have gone better this season. Um, Cristiano Gentuli, the sporting director at, um, at Juventus, has returned things around. You know, the players are happy. They're battling for the title. They've got a very good chance of winning it. And, you know, 
it's, it's really points to what United are doing. When when you do get right off the pitch, if you get the right spot in data and play, Scott, it can make a world of difference. And Juventus has seen this with Gentuli, where there was a point when they thought Vlaovic was going to go in the summer, and if, if not, he was definitely going to go after that. Chiesa didn't show any interest in signing his new deal, but they both are now. They're both keen on signing. Vlaovic is due a pay rise in the summer. I've seen it reported in England. It's going to be a massive pay rise, etc., etc. Juventus sources pointed out to me, this is usual in the player's contract. We've seen it. These deals go up incrementally, Scott. We know they do. When a player signs for a team on 150 grand a week, for instance, it doesn't finish in, on that deal five years later. It's how, it's how football works. They go up. And that's what's going to happen with Vlaovic. Juventus are keen to extend his deal um, beyond at least add another year in, but maybe spread his money a little bit. Um, he's already done a very good deal. And and yeah, but he's right. Arsenal are looking. United have always liked him as well and keep an eye out, but not as it stands, he looks pretty happy. Him and Chiesa and Gentuli is working really hard to get these two signed up. They've obviously lost Paul Pogba and probably got to lose him to a ban. Probably won't see him in the Juventus shirt again. Um was waiting to see the outcome of this, of this doping um, outcome for Paul Pogba. But and, uh, Rabiot is one that's quite clean on tying down his contracts up at the end of the season. So I, I think we'll see I think we'll see these three Juventus big names all stay in Scott. I think they'll, we'll all agree new deals and sign. It's all, considering what Juventus have been through in these last 18 months, Scott, it's, it could, they could have gone off the tracks. They could have, it could have imploded easily, couldn't it? But I think they're really getting it together now. They kept with Allegri. You know, Vlaovic is suddenly he is showing the form that he did at Fiorentina. Um Chiesa's playing well. Rabio's one of the best midfielders in Serie A this season. Um, a lot of people who watch it have told me. Um and yeah, so I, I don't think Vlaovic, I think if I, at the same time Juventus when I was speaking to the Juventus sources, they did say every player has a price cut. But when they're playing well, they're gonna go up. And so hey, if I still want to come and pay seventy five million for Vlaovic they could probably get him, but seventy-five. Do you think it'd be that? I think that, he's in that sort that of form month. now, Scott. I think I think he's back there now, Scott. You know, in the summer where he was a bit agitated, he hadn't shown good form, but now he's shown good form. He's really producing them now again, and um, yeah, I don't think there's much chance for Arsenal here. They definitely won't do it in January, that's for sure. And um, we'll see we'll see how it goes up with all these players. We know if they don't sign these contracts, clubs won't really allow them to go into last year. But Vlaovic has got a bit longer. Kiers has got to 2025. But I fully expect um, Cristiano Gentili to get them both signed up. Juventus turning things around by the looks of it, as you say, Graham, because uh, they've sorted things out off the pitch and that can tend to lead to mm. better sustained form on the pitch as well if you have a plan it's not a coincidence is it Scott you know you see likes of from Real Madrid when they got it sorted out when when Perez put Calafat in charge of these things you know it's it's no coincidence to these clubs where they get it sorted off the field and and it's all about recruitment clever recruitment uh, keep an eye on our recruitment series on that you meant but recruitment is the key to everything in football good recruitment is if you don't have good recruitment in football no matter how much money you've got if you don't have good recruitment you will win nothing and do nothing but that includes the staff as well it's not just about the players indeed uh final topic of the show we're looking at tottenham they have uh started the season very well but hit more of a sticky patch of late before the international break and uh and postacoglu cut in a slightly sadder figure than he was a few weeks before but Tottenham have suffered some big injuries as well. 
uh, Mickey van der Ven in defense and others, James Madison, uh, both of them. Last I saw, set to be out to the new year. I don't know whether Mickey van der Ven's... Uh, he's, I think he put a hint on Instagram the other day that he was on his way back, but I don't know what the, the timings are. But Spurs, will they be busy in January, Graham? Or is it, are they looking ahead to next summer with a couple of transfer targets that uh, you can reveal now? They do want to do a few things. They wanted a centre-half anyway, Scott. They really did want one. If you remember back to the summer window, they tried later on to sign Lloyd Kelly. Um from Bournemouth, he remains a target as we reported. But Ben Godfrey at Everton, so you, some, you can imagine someone like that is looking at another player we can now reveal they've been watching is Koki Michada, who plays for Union in Belgium, um, Japanese defender, left sided, which may be crucial to their thinking. Um, he's very good, very highly thought of. You know, going forward, Eric Dyer is available at the end of the season on a free. Ben Davis, we don't see him have a long-term future, quite possibly. So there is options there for them. They want someone to come in left-sided. Um, and so this lad, Machida, um, certainly Brighton have had their eye on in the past, given the, he was, he owned, he's owned by Union, who Brighton did have a relationship with um, through Tony, Tony Bloom. So it's an interesting one. Um, yeah, keep, keep an eye on him. You know, Tottenham are... A midfield is a possibility, we're told, Scott, but I think that'll be dependent if Heiberg leaves or not. If Heiberg leaves, they'll sign a replacement. They are looking around. They do possibly want another forward. Jota is a really interesting one to keep an eye on, a player we've spoke about before. He's not in the mix in the Saudi Pro League. We understand Newcastle are keeping an eye on him as well, as he might be available. The former Celtic guy who, who knows and loves Ange like we all do now, Scott, in the in England. Um, so Jot is an interesting one. Keep an eye on him. Um, you know, they do like Hatati for Hashi Mieda from Celtic, but Jota, hmm, it might be easier to get him from Saudi than going raiding north of Scotland. We see Ange doesn't really like to do that, but still, even going back to Celtic would be a lot cheaper than signing some of these European players. So I wouldn't necessarily rule him out going back to Celtic, but I think Jota's one to keep an eye on. Um, so, but I saw, so, yeah, I expect Spurs to maybe do two, three if Hoiberg went out as well. But I think a defender may be a forward as it stands. Touching bases on, well, we mentioned Chelsea in, in part today, but usually we have a dedicated Chelsea section. Uh, not, not so much today, uh, no uh, irons in the fire this week either. Um, but yeah, that's a it's a brief show from us today, uh, wrapping up what's uh, what's going on in the market. But obviously, as I mentioned at the top, five six weeks yet till the market opens in January and clubs can start doing some business again. Doesn't mean that they're not working behind the scenes doing their planning this kind of thing. Uh, but you can catch us on talking transfers again next week. We'll be back then, Graham and I. I'm sure will be present, maybe with some additional names and faces familiar to you. But please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders and at Graham Bailey, who is Nighty Min's transfer correspondent, nightymin.com for all the latest. Nightymin.com forward slash talking transfers to the transfer news and everything that's happening or could be happening in the coming months and at nightymin underscore football on social media for 90 min on the whole. Graham, thanks again for another Talking Transfers episode. Until next time, listener, thanks very much for listening. See you soon and until next time.